It's time for a change in this country, my friends. A real change. That's Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister-designate who will soon take office leading the world's 11th biggest economy. I'm Amy Keene, and joining me in the FT's New York newsroom are Anna Nicolaou, a digital editor here, and Gary Silverman, the U.S. national editor and columnist. Thanks both for being here. How are you guys doing today? We, we are well. Yeah. A little oh, good. A little, a little tired. tired. You're, you're up a little yeah. late covering this. Excited. Very excited. Not as late election. as U.S. elections, though. That's it's true. very That's civilized, true. actually. It was pretty early. Yeah, very call, civilized. So. All right, Anna, when Prime Minister Stephen Harper called for the election back in the summer, what turned out to be the longest campaign period in Canadian history, Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party, they were sitting third in the polls behind both the leftist New Democratic Party and the Conservative Party. What happened to bring the Liberal Party this majority victory? Yeah, it was it was kind of a big comeback within the campaign and also just for the Liberal Party from the last election in 2011. Because in 2000, I mean, I think this was actually the biggest increase in seats for a party in Canada ever. From last election, they were pretty much crushed by the Conservatives and the NDP, and they were the third place. And now they just kind of surged into a majority that no one was really expecting. So I think a part of it is the Liberals kind of ran the best campaign. Justin Trudeau, in the debates, he performed quite well. He was very passionate. He was very confident. I think people saw... Stephen Harper and Tom Mulcair were kind of more subdued and stiff a lot of the time. His economic policy made him stand apart, which kind of gave him a boost early on. Um, People were impressed with his call for deficit spending. It was kind of a bold, risky move, but it seemed to really resonate with people who had said, well, look, we're obviously not doing well. We need some kind of change. And we've had so many years of this same government, same economic policies from Stephen Harper. So I think that kind of made him seem a bit more legitimate. I mean, starting out in the summer, Justin Trudeau was kind of kind of been written off as, you know, he's kind, he's shallow. Can he really lead a country? He doesn't seem to have much substance. Justin's just not ready. Yeah, Justin's just not ready. And that was the big line that Harper had been rolling with. And it, it seemed to work at first. But I think throughout the campaign, the liberals just kind of gained momentum. And then as we reached the final week or so of, of what was a very long Canadian uh, campaign, there was clearly momentum for Justin Trudeau in the polls. And then in the final days and yesterday, we saw there was a big switch over from NDP to, to the Liberals. The NDP lost votes in favor of the Liberals at the last minute, which implies that a lot of people were saying, look, we just want Harper out at this point, And Trudeau seems to have the best chance at it. So we'll vote for the Liberals. Gary, many will know Justin Trudeau as the son of one of Canada's most famous prime ministers, the late Pierre Trudeau. Who is Justin Trudeau? Well, I think in the beginning, he's a great head of hair. Uh, that's really kind of... <laughs> fantastic. He has fantastic. He has one of the best heads of hair of any person in politics in the world. And in a way, the election kind of pivoted off of that, where in the early stages of the election, the conservatives made fun of him. He's the son of a prime minister. He's, a, he's very photogenic. I mean, he looks much younger. He's 43. He'll be 44 on Christmas Day. Uh, but if you said he was in his 20s, it's believable. He's in fantastic shape. He looks like a pro athlete when you see him. Uh, he's very charismatic. Uh, on the other hand, he's not a very tested person politically or had much experience. And I think the, the two dynamics in that that are interesting, one is that he was able to conquer that in the debates where to some extent he had such a low bar set for him, uh, much like say Sarah Palin did when she was running that the minute he showed up and was presentable and thoughtful, and he's, he's quick on his feet. He's a good speaker. He's a former drama teacher. Uh, he, is, he is good at 
being on television, good at talking, uh, good at dealing with people, uh, personable. Um, he did well on that. And then two, I, I think there is a certain depth to his campaign. I think his 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 uh, selling point in his mind is that he attracts smart people or he's willing to listen to smart people. And he's really gathered around him a lot of people both in Canada and outside of Canada who are fairly thoughtful people. And I think kind of the interesting part of it is to some extent he flanked out to the left uh, against uh, Tom O'Care of the left-leaning New Democratic Party uh, – embracing a kind of stimulus spending and, and, and embracing the idea that with interest rates so low, Canada should borrow money to fund infrastructure. And I think that gave him, one, a selling point, and two, sort of spoke to his his uh, thoughtfulness. So, Gary, to go back to Thomas Mulcair mm. and the New Democratic Party, they were the story going into this campaign, going into the election. What happened? Well, the NDP was boosted uh, by an explicable election in, in uh, Mr. Harper's adopted home province, which is Alberta, which a lot of people talk about as the Texas of Canada. And out of nowhere, the NDP swept the provincial election in Alberta in May, which led a lot of people to think that maybe the NDP would be the real alternative to Harper in the election. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, the conventional wisdom is that uh, Mr. Mulcair really hit a wall when Mr. Harper started pushing the issue of um, banning Muslim women from wearing a face veil while swearing an oath of citizenship in Canada. Uh, this doesn't seem to be a chronic uh, issue in Canada. It involves very few women, but this resonated with people who have problems with Muslim immigrants and, and resonated particularly strongly in Quebec, which is really where the NDP was strongest, and that hurt Mr. Mulcair. Um, more generally, I think uh, Mr. Mulcair didn't catch on stylistically, uh, his debate performances were faulted. Uh, he was described as smiling artificially and so forth. Although I think things like that people say when there's nothing else going on as well. Um, you know, he didn't really resonate. He ran a careful campaign. I mean, I think what's interesting for people in other places is Mulcair tried to be very careful. He said he would balance the budget. He'd watch the public finances. Partly that's the problem of being a socialist or a left-wing-leaning candidate in an election and representing a party that had never governed Canada. He had to speak to the anxieties of Canadians about an NDP government, whereas Mr. Trudeau comes from a party that a lot of people would say is almost the natural party of government. And, of course, his father was in and out. And it's not like they would mess up the country unduly. So Mulcair, as he was speaking to that and being careful and being – uh, reasonable, he kind of careful and reasonable his way into you know non-entity status, and he, he he just didn't take off in a way. Whereas Trudeau did, and particularly to the end of the election, uh, strategic voters looking for the anybody but Harper candidate, obviously uh, almost went entirely to Trudeau. Many Canadians were eager to get Harper out of power, out of government. What was it that they were just desperate to change? You know, I don't think it was one thing. I think it was many different things. I mean. By the time of this election, he'd been in power for nine and a half years. It's a really long time for one person to lead a country. And I mean, there were a lot of different parts. The economy was definitely the big issue this time around because Canada had entered a recession just before the campaign started. And Stephen Harper kind of tried to, he, he was using that as his big bargaining chip at the beginning of the campaign. He kept talking about how this is a dangerous time. You need to make the safe choice. And I know I'm the only one you can trust with your economy. But that really seemed to backfire among people who said, you know, well, the economy is not doing well and you're the person who has led us here. So why would we support you? 
Actually, to some extent, you saw in this campaign how formidable Harper was and is as a, as a politician, as a political pugilist. He was very good at sort of uh, forcing the action of the campaign. Early on, it was the conservative ads that made a big deal of Mr. Trudeau's looks and lack of experience. The uh, Justin Trudeau, he's just not ready ads really resonated and became a talking point. Later in the campaign, uh, Harper, by pushing this issue of uh, banning Muslim women from wearing veils at citizenship, uh, oath-swearing ceremonies, uh, also sort of focused the campaign on his issues. It just didn't really work for him this time. I think one of the most interesting things about the polls is there's a lot of movement in Mr. Mulcair's polls and Mr. Trudeau's. Uh, Harper's polls uh, really sat about 31 32% for a good bit of time. And he really wasn't able to get anything beyond his hardcore. And at the end, he was left scrambling to shore up his base. And in the final days of the campaign, he went out with Rob Ford, uh, the former mayor of Toronto, because he, in a sense, he was looking for, you know, to, to pick up whatever votes he could in areas of, of the Toronto area in which Mr. Ford remains popular despite his well-known personal problems. But it showed he was running a very narrow kind of pugilistic campaign, uh, not badly from a tactical standpoint, but not enough in the end. So Anna, when will Mr. Trudeau take office? Well, now he has to pick his cabinet. So that'll happen in the next few days. And then Probably within a week to 10 days, they will take oath of office. And I guess he and the family will move into 24 Sussex Drive. <laughs> and, and the conservatives also have to find a new leader. So there's going to be a lot happening in the next. All right, lots to watch out for. You can read all of uh, Anna and Gary's stories at FT.com. Thanks to both of you for joining me. Yes, read them. Thanks, Hop. Thank you. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.